0: This is the DX Podcast, proudly presented by Wondrous. In this, the third episode, Peter talks to Julie Musler.
1: Hello, and welcome to this, the third edition of the Digital Experience Podcast. In today's episode, we talk with Julie Musler. Julie, hi. Thank you very much for being our guest.
0: I'm so excited to connect with you and chat.
1: Would you mind quickly walking us through your background?
0: Sure. Um, you know, professionally, I my background is as a storyteller and a communicator. I spent the first half of my career at PR firms doing large-scale events from getting people to try different products for the first time, getting people to try the same product with a different name and trying to put a spin on it, doing those big, crazy stunts in Times Square And then realizing I wanted to do something that impacted the business a little bit more. So gradually, I moved from communications into marketing, and I went in-house at some of the most beloved brands in the tech space. So I've had a really amazing ride very early stage at Groupon and Waze, which I think is pretty well going in Switzerland, but it's a driving app all over the world that people love. And then I moved on to sport radar, which is uh the data layer for the betting industry in sports
1: that's uh an incredible trajectory in your career i mean you you started out in marketing and you've you've kind of uh gone into the direction of of um this this kind of um very um adding value to to business proposals and and kind of simplifying the the communications into a way that people can actually understand these sometimes very uh, complex uh, tech Companies, um, I just love to hear about that um, event that you did on Times Square.
0: Here's the thing: I people, I don't think people understand the PR agency business, and it has changed a lot for the better. But ten years ago, people hired PR firms because they wanted to be in newspapers, in television, and get as many impressions as possible. I would always ask the question do these impressions even matter? You know, if you have a billion people see your news article, but none of them are your customers or even interested in becoming your customers, I'm not sure it matters, right? So that probably made me, ultimately, it, it was only time before I moved out of PR because I was not an ideal publicist. But we created the world's largest laundry line for a company called Spray and Wash, which is already very popular in the US. It takes stains out of your clothes, kind of hard to make that sexy, but they had a new version of it. And so we went to Grand Central Station, you know, one of the largest, most historic train stations we have in the country. And we created the world's largest laundry line to get people's attention. And sure enough, it did wind up in the New York Times and on TV, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, did we connect with the right people who had the purchasing power and, and show them how the product works? I'm not so sure.
1: And so you went on from, from uh, PR and events um, in, into more um, global communications roles um, when you started out working for Groupon. And that was, um, you're you're from Chicago, right?
0: Right. Yes.
1: So you're from Chicago. Did you study in Chicago as well?
0: The University of Missouri has one of the strongest journalism schools in the country. And so I was accepted early there and I went to Missouri for school. It was about an hour and a half outside of St. Louis, kind of middle of nowhere, typical college town and really special time. And then I came back to Chicago because they were known for their PR and ad agencies and I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go.
1: And can I can I just ask quickly what led you in the direction of journalism? in the first place?
0: I've always been a writer. I think that's the subject that I looked forward to and loved in school and was easy for me, frankly, and something I enjoyed pursuing as a hobby too. So my thought was that I was going to write for Rolling Stone because I was obsessed with music and my dad's in the industry. And I've just grown up loving everything about what makes a song a song and, and, you know, a band, a band. But In the time that I was at college, the magazine industry, I think, hemorrhaged something like 300 magazines in one year. And so where you used to be able to see 15 talking about music or art or architecture it sort of got narrowed down to one or two per category. And I knew that it wasn't gonna be a strong career move. And so ultimately I was in school to try to figure out how to support myself the rest of my life. And I was attracted to advertising and PR and it was the same school and the same degree. So I was able to shift without really losing any momentum.
1: Okay, cool. And, and so you ended up then um, in this, this role at uh, Groupon, which like back then that was a startup, right?
0: Yeah, it was actually a charity called The Point, where it was a site for collective action built on Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, The Tipping Point. And so when I came, we were in, I think, two cities, and it looked like the model was working, but it was really based around bringing in your friends to be able to secure a good deal. And we offered one deal a day on the best things to do. So I thought I was joining more of a digital magazine that occasionally gave away coupons for like really good pizza, right? Um, I could have never, ever, ever predicted that we would grow into the fastest growing company of all time, or that I would be building a department that would support an organization like that running towards Wall Street. I just had no idea.
1: That sounds fascinating. That That all happened in Chicago.
0: Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, most people think you cannot... You know, really build the foundation and grow a unicorn company there. And I think that, you know, we openly talked about that being our strength was that we didn't have Silicon Valley DNA. And so we figured out how to do things in our own way. And it felt very unvalley. You know, we weren't in those conversations of what Foursquare and what our peers were doing at the time. And so we built it the way we thought we should. We had improv actors in the customer service department because we thought they had more empathy and they didn't have any scripts. And you know what, people love that. So Um, we found a lot of solutions to things that I think businesses did as sort of a reflex. And then over time went, there's a much better way we could be doing this. So we built it through the eye of the customer and not through the eye of being a developer.
1: Genius putting on the the glasses of the the client will always help we uh, praise that every day <laughs> um, so um, do you think do you think um, working for this kind of startup y kind of tech um, a company um, also helped you um, think a little bit more out of the box
0: for sure I think the best thing that it did was help me thrive in ambiguity and help me sense opportunity and Those two skills are kind of mandatory if you want to work in a startup environment, because no one ever really hands you a role or a career path and tells you just to follow the instructions. Right. Uh Um, And prior to coming to Groupon, I had been at three different agencies. It was always kind of the same thing. And I was getting a little disenfranchised with calling a reporter, getting the story Getting a good story, and then just wondering what else there was, and I never really mm-hmm. understood that this whole world of corporate communications could really care for and nurture a business.
1: Okay. Oh, well, that's um, fascinating that um, you can um, look at it from a from that perspective as well. There's, there's, uh, I think you know, the if you come from this kind of standard PR um, kind of comms backgrounds, it's it's very kind of cut and. And clean and, and you have your guidelines and, and tonality that you have to stick to and um, so that sounds that sounds fascinating but I think the startup is something that you have to want as well right that kind of vibe is it something uh, you obviously thrived on it um, but I'm sure you saw others um, that you know, potentially had difficulty within these maybe more kind of unstructured um, jobs that because um, it's often it's an all hands on deck kind of uh, mentality as well there's this is not this is your job and this is my job but it's like um if if something needs to be done then everybody needs to make sure that um, it happens I guess at the end of the day so you obviously thrived on that um you went from from uh, um, height to height at, at Groupon and then um, you went to ways as you mentioned before um so that, did that mean you you then moved from uh, Chicago to um, this this kind of uh, new um, uh, uh, tech startup company in, in Chicago to um, Silicon Valley um, to the to the heart of, of all um, uh, its a- entrepreneurism in in the tech kind of scene.
0: Yeah, and you know I, all those Valley people treating me like I was a country bumpkin, like showing up you know in the big city for the first time, and it's like guys. You need to go to the middle of the country more often. Chicago is a, a very <laughs> great place, you know. Um, Chicago does not get enough credit. I, I will always take the chance to say that. But yeah, I I had a wonderful investor on the board of Groupon who's very well known um, in the tech space, and he pulled me aside one day and he just said, "There's nothing else really here for you," you know, both in career path where I was running global comms, there I couldn't go anywhere higher, right? Um, I wanted to learn and he knew that, but there weren't any other tech companies in Chicago that were sort of at the same growth stage or would have afforded me an opportunity to expand my skill set. And so he said, if you really want to see what it's like to work in this industry and just expose yourself to more people who are subject matter experts, it would be worth it for you to spend time in San Francisco.
1: And was he right?
0: He was very right. <laughs> um, I only I only lasted in San Francisco about a year because I think for for personal and, and social reasons it just wasn't the place for me. It actually felt very small, um, but. I, it was important for me to understand how developers think and how we structure companies and even just going to things like hackathons and getting closer to journalists in the space. They rarely came to Chicago, and if they're the ones shaping the impression of your company, it is really important to spend time with them.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned this this investor on the, on the Groupon board as someone who um, s- maybe changed your career trajectory a little bit um by helping you um to on on your way so to say um would you say there's there's uh, any people kind of along the your um career or your professional um kind of route that you would say were really important for you and and how did they help you in 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 what way
0: gosh absolutely um you know it's really tricky because i have had Very few female bosses or managers. And I've had very few managers, period. Once I got into tech, I sort of just fell under the CEO or I would fall under someone leading something massive and just kind of left to build my own thing, which I loved. But I definitely wished at times I had a mentor who would reach out to me and help me avoid some of the common pitfalls or give me advice when I needed to shape my skills a little bit. So I have to say, you know, the, the men that were in my life at these different companies were the ones who reached out and lifted me up at different times. So um, at Groupon, you know, I, I didn't know what an appropriate salary was for the role. And I, I didn't have any comparisons because I had never been in tech. And we were moving very quickly. And I, over time, kind of realized I was being very underpaid compared to other people having the same position, which was pretty senior. And maybe I'm naive. I truly don't think it was malicious, nor do I think it was just because I was a woman. But at the end of the day, once we finally did hire in a head of like, Wall Street, corporate comms, somebody who was a man double my age he took one look at my comp package and also, you know, I had never had any management training or anything like that. And his first day he got me like a $20,000 raise and he was just like, (laughs) this ends today, you know? So he decided overnight to send me to Mobile World Congress and I had never been before. So it was like someone had finally taken an interest in me and given me things that I didn't know that I needed. And so without him, I don't think I would have realized my worth um, or sought out other things to continue honing my skills because I didn't even know where to look.
1: Of course. And, um, I, we follow each other on, on social media. I think I can say that. Um, and, and I've, I've been, been able to observe how, um, extremely active you are. And I asked that question obviously also, because I know you have a very active role in, in, as a, as a mentor for, um, I think many young female mentees, um, do you want to go into that quickly? Your your motivation is clear, um, but um, how how do you see an effect um, that it has? Um, and of course, you do um, because otherwise you wouldn't put that kind of effort into it. But um, <laughs> but uh, obviously you've you've noticed yourself a lack in 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 female role models and and people that can um, mentor um, young females with um, clear career goals. Um, Did you want to say anything about that quickly?
0: Sure. I I just think that as human beings, I want to be a good human and I want to try to serve the people that I I surround myself with. And and I want to try to leave the place a little better than I found it, whatever the place Mm -hmm. might be. And I just think back to the times that I, I was frustrated or maybe could have avoided some of those experiences or gotten even more out of those roles if someone had taken an interest in my development. And I think part of that is because clearly we were building these rocket ships and there just wasn't time or infrastructure for that. And I don't take that personally in the slightest. I also Uh, think that, you know, we know scientifically men and women's bodies react to stress differently when there's 20 men in a room and you're the only woman. I I don't think it's particularly hard to understand why someone might not reach out and say, hey, let's go. I'm going to explain this to you further. So. I just think it's something that has to stay top of mind and I really enjoy it. Um, I've also begun working with companies privately to do more of a paid agreement where I mentor for a quarter or for half a year so that we actually have tangible metrics. But I do try to give away a lot of my time because I think it's the only way that they teach me things. And also, you know, we continue to build the ecosystem that we want to see.
1: Of course, and and in the last um, uh, since you've been in the industry, have you have you been able to observe um, a change already, or do you think things are still like pretty, pretty stagnant?
0: You know, it's I've been inside companies forever, so my I'm usually at a company four or five years. So wow. um, I think that I've seen a, a massive increase in these private groups for women, so nurtured wow. groups, communities online. Um, you know, everything from Dreamers and Doers, which is an organization my friend launched, um, which is a private you know, network of forums where people can either ask or offer things for free. And the wealth of information and the amount of one-on-one connection that is offered with nothing expected in return, simply, look, I've been there and I think I could figure this out pretty quickly if I hopped on a call with you. What do we need other people for? You know, what do we we don't have to pay a vendor if you can just pass along this information. And so Mm -hmm. I've seen people find a partner, build a company, get their customer pipeline up all from this one organization, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of of businesses popping up like that where the contribution is minimal compared to what you get back. And I think that's kind of the way that we will be moving forward because no one built those systems for us previously.
1: Okay, cool. Wow. Um, and so so from that role in, in, um, in, in San Francisco, you moved also within Waze to, um, to New York, is that right? And was that during the time that Waze was um, bought by Google?
0: Sure. So I was probably employee five or six in the US, but there was another 50 people in Israel who were primarily in tech. So it was an interesting inflection point for the company when I joined because they specifically reached out to me having a desire to level up the brand from being popular in certain driving cities internationally to a true household name, which is what the group on ride had been. So... Uh, you know, it it was a time where we could pick a couple different directions. We were running out of funding. Ways had never really raised much. I, I want to say it was maybe fifteen million, but don't quote me on that. It, either way, it was not significant compared to what a lot of consumer apps raise before they have an exit. So Google bought us maybe two months after I joined.
1: Okay. It
0: was, <laughs> that, yeah, it was not the ride I, I thought. And in fact, I was so upset that. You know, that my time at a startup was coming to an end and I had bet on them and I'd left my family at Groupon, but it was the most wonderful opportunity because Waze actually remained very separate inside the company, which was a credit to our founders and our CEO who had set clear groundwork in the acquisition agreement. And we had so much still to do. So, you know, rather than making a split decision on what I thought the role was going to be, I got to manage the brand up against Google Maps, which is really kind of exciting when you know that you're starting out as number two. And my role grew significantly. I started running global comms and then eventually grew into running global marketing and overseeing the brand. And I built a lot of our policy structures and cleaned up a crisis that we had for the first time. So it was this deeply empathetic growth-driven, community-centric role that I couldn't have gone and applied for somewhere else. So I'm glad that I was patient and I'm glad that I let it grow into what it could be.
1: I'm afraid Waze isn't uh, very well-known in Switzerland at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm not even sure why that is, actually. I think we can download the app. But the traffic just isn't that bad over here. I don't think so. Um, and plus most of us are cyclists.
0: <laughs> well, you guys just have solutions for everything. That's why <laughs> you don't need to optimize anything anymore.
1: <laughs> I mean, talking, talking of Switzerland and, and tech, you, you then uh, went on to work for sport Raider. um, uh, do you want to, do you want to mention anything about sport Raider? a a very Swiss company, I think. Compared obviously to like Waze was owned by Israelis, right? Um, or or founded by?
0: Yeah, founded by Israelis. I think joining Google, you know, brought this influx of executives from different corners of the world. We had a lot of Brazilians, um, a lot of Asian and of course the American team. So it was this wonderful, tr- a true, true melting pot with a global point of view. Um, Sport Radar, I can thank for introducing me to St. Gallen. I'd never been there before. What a charming place.
1: Do you yeah. ever want to go again? That's- <laughs>
0: <laughs> You know, I I think I think there's so many more places to see in Switzerland. Maybe I would go do that first, but I would love yes. to go back. I, I would- You definitely
1: need to come to Basel next time.
0: Yes, please. Well, I didn't get an <laughs> invitation yet. So now that I have one, maybe I will.
1: Stand, standing invitation, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I do have a couple cows that are missing me in St. Gallen, so I need to go back.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, we won't go into any more detail on that one, though. Um, so, you spent uh, how long at, at Sportradar?
0: I was there about a year, and I was tasked with building the marketing department, the first true marketing department in the company's 17 year history. So, it's wild. You know, you join a company that has a valuation of close to $3 billion.
1: That that much, right? And and no marketing at all. It's uh, amazing. A nice position to be in.
0: So it's an incredible opportunity, but I also don't want to dismiss the people who had been there for a very long time doing marketing. I think the challenge is that they weren't assembled into such a way where it could be 360 cohesive strategic effort. And so the team was being used primarily in a more of a cosmetic capacity to do things like brochures, websites, events. That's really important when you're selling software and when you're trying to connect with a growing industry. So there absolutely was marketing effort. What there wasn't was a global effort that was driven by narrative. And so trying to marry design with brand with PR was something that the company had not explored yet, because they were just exploding through growth in the 10 years before that.
1: It sounds incredibly exciting to be tasked with, you know, a, a job that's actually um, sounds really easy, um, a company that doesn't need marketing in that sense, but then you still got the opportunity to um, you know, create something with them of, of uh, true value. So um, I'm sure that was really exciting.
0: It was. It, I like things that are new to me. And so what's not new to me is supporting data-driven businesses. And that's what I really love. Um, but getting, you know, this, this really quick education on the betting industry, which is becoming more and more important in the U.S., seeing what people have been doing for the last decade overseas and how to bring in those best practices was cool. Um, And I think my favorite part was meeting these people who are just the absolute best at what they do and maybe hadn't been supported from a partner perspective. And so it it felt like our work was lifting them up. And that was what I really enjoyed.
1: Oh, wow. Cool. So I mean you you then you've worked now for these three huge uh, tech companies um and um, you know this this podcast is all about the digital experience and all of your jobs have been kind of circling around rotating around the digital experience and you're saying that data was always a, an important factor um for your um for leading your marketing um, initiatives and your communications initiatives um what would you say, what, what does it, the digital experience mean to you personally? Um, I mean, I, I know that you use your um, communication channels very actively and in a very um, uh, you know, sensible way. Um, the, you know, it, I, I guess it helps you keep in touch with all of your friends across the planet, A, but B, the digital experience, like, what, what does it mean to you in, in your everyday life?
0: Ooh, the deep questions, huh? The hard-hitting, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I mean, look, I, they're just in a very realistic answer. The digital experience is how we connect with the world, both tangible and intangible, right? So the operating systems we have and the things that help us work more efficiently and produce businesses and, and outcomes for what we want that's all digital operations and digital infrastructure. So, you know, I think about my parents who are in their mid seventies and their need to learn how to use the latest iOS. And my dad is adamant that every time it comes out, he knows how to use it before I do. And the reason is he doesn't want to be left behind, you know? So, Whether you like it or not, this is the operating system for our world. It's a digital one. And I want to be able to help companies develop that through an empathetic lens. So I think that's kind of my mission overall combined with my passion for tech. Um, You know, in terms of how I use it, it's definitely changed in the time of COVID in that I think it's amped up a little bit. Um, I, I I have been fortunate to meet amazing people all over the world. And, you know, I mean, you and I met at South by Southwest and, you know, if you meet someone and you're not going to pursue something romantic and you're not working together, what does that look like in the middle? Especially if they live in another country, you know, maybe, It's not necessarily appropriate to call them on the phone once a week to stay in touch because you don't have anything to say or maybe it's not respectful to their relationships, whatever it might be. But there's something there. And I don't want to lose those connections because people are wonderful and I I want to have as many of them as possible in my life. And so I think COVID has only brought that to the surface when we realize how much we need this human connection.
1: Absolutely. I mean, one of my questions also was going to be like, how, how do you stay so inspired? But it sounds like the digital experience kind of keeps you inspired as well.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I'm also not someone who enjoys spending the day on my phone. And I realize actually, my mood and my happiness and my motivation go down when I've been sitting, scrolling Twitter or Instagram. And I don't think that you know, I'm not a jealous person and I don't think that it has anything to do with what I'm ingesting. I think it's just biologically, we are not supposed to be staring at screens all day long. So I sort of try to keep in mind what I'm using these tools for and I get in and get out, right? I might get 30 minutes of going across my platforms and saying hi to my people and responding to email. And then especially as as I've focused on my health as I get older, I do try to spend more time outside even, you know, put, pick up a book and put down my digital devices because I don't want to be that person. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank you for those insights. Uh, It's been really great um, speaking to you. Um, And uh,
0: I can't wait till I can ask you the same questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: Thank thank you so much for being our guest. We have reached the end of
0: this Digital Experience podcast. Thanks for listening. For further information about us, please head over to www.wiawondrous.com.